is um, in our series, of 2 Corinthians series, and uh, carry on with that. And I'm just very thrilled where my slot lands on a certain passage. It's just awesome, really. And uh, Matty P, you are a genius in just sort of orchestrating that. But uh, um, Matt, uh, last week, um, started to uh, talk through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I actually want to talk... Um, I, f- I feel I want to talk from the second half of that chapter. Um, I haven't got any slides. I do apologise for that. Had a bit of a few days off during the week and I'm just cruising back in, okay? So uh, just go easy on me. So uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 14. Uh, what, uh, let's read those few verses together, shall we? So 2 Corinthians 5 and uh, I'll read it. I'm reading from the NIV and uh, if you can follow along, that's awesome. Uh, And from verse 14, Paul writes and says, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those uh, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who was reconciling us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God who made him, uh, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. I want to talk today about being ambassadors and reconcilers. And uh, in this passage, uh, Paul talks about, in fact, the last few verses we read there, 6 verse 1, Paul talks about us being co-workers. As God's co-workers, I urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. And the first thing is that he talks about us being God's co-workers. Paul sees himself and the whole church on a mission working with God. Not working by themselves, not his own personal mission, but working with God on his mission. Co-workers with God. And Paul encourages them not to receive God's grace in vain. Well, when you think about it, not receiving, having received grace from God, not receiving God's grace, or receiving God's grace in vain is not a good thing to do, is it? You imagine receiving God's grace, but receiving it in vain. 
it would be a shame to miss the point. What Paul is saying is, we have received grace, therefore let's utilise the grace that God has given us. What is God's grace? It's God's free, undeserved love and favour. And so Paul is saying we're co-workers with God and we have received God's grace and he encourages us not to receive it in vain. We'll come to that in just a moment. Uh, but we have received God's grace. How have we received God's grace? He's talking to Christians here, uh, talking to those who follow Jesus. How have we received God's grace? Three things quickly. In verse 17, uh, he talks about new life. He says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So when we repent, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are born again. We come alive spiritually. Something happens in our heart and we receive his grace. We become alive. That's one way in which we've received grace. So we turn from our sin, we break with old habits, we start living God's way. And uh, we no longer live for ourselves. That's old, that's gone. Now we live for him. So we've received God's grace by receiving new life. Another way in which we've received grace is that we have, in verse 18, we, it says we've been reconciled. It says all this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now to reconcile is to reunite or to bring back together again, to settle a dispute. And what uh, Paul is saying is that God has taken the initiative to bring us back to him. So reconciliation is about restoring relationship, restoring friendship. And it's something that God has done. God took that initiative. So Paul teaches in other places, uh, while we were still sinners, while we we're away from God, pushing God away, what happened? Christ died for us. God did something to bring us back into a relationship with him. And then Paul says in that verse 18, uh, he goes on to say, you know, we've been reconciled, God reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So having been reconciled to God, now we have a job. It's our role to bring this message of reconciliation to others so that others can connect with God, so that others can receive his forgiveness. We've been given this reconciliation uh, to bring to others. So that's the second way in which we've received grace. We've received new life. We've been reconciled, brought back into friendship with God. And uh, the third thing that I'm picking out from this passage is in verse 21, uh, we have received God's forgiveness. That's how we've received God's grace. He's forgiven us. God made, it says in verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's done this wonderful thing. Christ died for us in our place, took our sin on himself, and in exchange has given us his right standing, his position before God, his own righteousness, his right standing before God becomes ours. What an amazing deal that is. So he takes our sin, 
and the shame upon himself and then says, what I'll give you in return is my relationship with my heavenly father. My right standing with God, my purity, I will give to you. That means this whole message of reconciliation, forgiveness, receiving new life means we are born again into God's family and we are reconciled as sons and daughters, as children of God. It's about relationship. This is how we have received grace. And Paul now sees us as co-workers with God and he urges us not to receive that grace in vain. In other words, what he's saying is don't miss the point of what it is to be a carrier of grace. Don't miss the point of what it is to have come to know Jesus. Don't miss the point. Don't waste that point at all. So how do we then ensure that we don't miss the point? How do we ensure that we don't miss the grace that God has given to us? Well, Paul tells us in this passage uh, by being clear about three things. One is our mission, one is our message, and one is our motivation. And I want to talk about those three M's, very convenient. I haven't got the PowerPoint, but you should be able to remember three M's, all right? So mission, message, and motivation. And uh, that's actually largely why we're running courses like Contagious Christian, because what that helps you to do is equips us to be effective in our mission. It also gives you perspective so that you catch God's heart. It gives you his motivation. It, and it, it also gives you tools to, to help you, well, how do I articulate my faith then? You know, we're out on the, in the market, we're doing healing on the streets yesterday. Amazing time. But among the team, we're like, well, how do you communicate the gospel? How do you? Well, Contagious Christian gives you tools so that you know how to simply explain what Jesus has done for you and also what Jesus has done for everyone. It gives you those tools so that you feel equipped. And uh, anyway, that's, uh, so the Contagious Christian hits these three things, mission, motivation, and message. So let's look then at this passage then. Firstly, our mission. What's our mission? Our mission, verse 20, uh, is to represent Christ. I'll give you three things under this mission heading, to represent Christ. What it says in verse 20 is, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador represents someone else. An ambassador is commissioned to represent someone else. They don't go with their own agenda, they go with someone else's agenda. We represent him. We're Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. And it's like, you know, an ambassador, when he lives in a foreign country, sent to a foreign country to represent another world or another culture or another country, we are sent into this world to represent Christ and his kingdom. We're his ambassadors. We represent him. I was so thrilled talking to John yesterday um, at the market, and he was sharing about um, down, uh, the downtown ministry, and I've been so thrilled the way that John and Chris serve so well, serving the poor down there, the poorest of the poor, and we've got behind them as a church, and we've had part of our gift, they poured 10,000 dollars, I think it was, into the mission there. We're so thrilled to be able to do that. Um, that's exciting. What also excited me yesterday in the conversation with John, he said, and actually he says, I've also had a couple of student dentists working alongside me as part of their training. And he goes, I impart values to them. 
I impart values to them. I show them it's not just about getting rich through dentistry, but it's caring for people. It's ministering to people. And these students have said to John, I've learned so much. I'm like, fantastic, what a mission that is. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are helping the poor and we are modelling to others. This is the love of Jesus being poured out in very practical ways. I was so thrilled. And listen, the, the Bible says we are Christ's ambassadors. That means the little snapshot of what I've seen in John's life and heard from John's life is happening in your life and your life and in your office and in the school that you work in and the communities that you're among. We're Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. Another thing about uh, ambassadors is ambassadors don't come with their own message. They only speak what they are to speak from the country that they represent. We speak what the king says. It's his message. We're his ambassadors. We're his spokesmen. We're pointing others to Jesus. And he sent us out. Go into all the world and preach, proclaim this good news. We're Christ's ambassadors. Our mission is to represent him. Secondly, our mission is to share God's heart. In verse 20, uh, it goes on. It talks about us being uh, Christ's ambassadors. But then in verse 20, it says, it's as though God himself were making his appeal through us. We're those who catch the heart of God and communicate it to others. That's our mission to do that. The church is God's vehicle. It's God's messenger. If the church is here for anything else, it's to proclaim and represent what God's heart is and to show that to the world. God's plan is to use us. The plan is to use you, to use me, to use every one of us in this mission to see the love of God poured out in other people's lives. And it does take little conversations. It's this little coincidence that happens and you see it as an opportunity and bam, you're right in there and you've sowed seen. And then maybe someone else uh, picks up that and waters it a bit later on. We're on a mission together. We're to share God's heart. And we need to actively look for those opportunities where we can uh, just take those opportunities. In fact, I think what happens, actually, another time you've said Contagious Christian helps you just to see God's perspective. You just see things differently. You see, and as you were saying to me this morning, you see the bigger picture. You say, oh, my word, you know, this little seed sowing opportunity. It just helps you see part of this big picture of sharing uh, God's heart with people. Um, the recent Alpha course, which is great to see, you know, one or two with us and also in our connect groups as well. But listen, I, I just really, I loved our recent Alpha course, just finished. I want to ask, look, you know, why is it that this recent Alpha course, pretty much every one of those who've been on the course why do they want to be involved with their connect groups? Why do they want to come? And without, you know, without sort of, you know, we had someone visit our connect group this week and it was just, there wasn't a dry eye in the room as she said, look, I've been, I've been even around churches, but for 38 years, I've never been accepted. I've never been loved. I've never been valued in the way that I was valued on the Alpha course. I tell you what, people are loved and valued. And why do people want to come to church? Why do people want to get involved? Because they are loved at face value, because they experience the love of God. And this is what, this is, this is what Paul's saying. You represent Christ. You share God's heart with people. I want to tell you that. I want to say, well done to the Alpha team. Well done to this recent Alpha team. You guys have been amazing. They're not all here today. You are amazing. 
You have poured out your love to people. God has shown your, his love. He's, you've been a great representation of who Jesus is. And I'm so thrilled that we're a part of a church that can represent Christ and share God's heart. Because that's what wins the world. That's what wins. It's the demonstrations of kindness. People have said they haven't felt judged. They've been able to be where they are on their journey of discovery of Jesus. And some would say they're not yet Christians, but they just go, you guys are just helping us on our journey. And we say, well, look, Alpha, the last night of Alpha, we said, Alpha means the beginning. So this doesn't have to be the end. So we've invited them, come and enjoy the journey with us. Journey with us. We're following Jesus. We're learning how to follow him ourselves. Come wherever you're at. Listen, church, we are those who share God's hearts. Our mission is to share his heart and reveal. And it's like God's making his appeal through us. It's like God is shouting to people, loving people through us. Third thing under mission is that uh, we are workers with God. God says as co-workers, we work with him. Our mission is to work with him. It's his power. Gosh, we were out on the streets yesterday. We prayed for one guy who was on crutches, still crutches at the end, I'm sorry to say, but his pain went from 9 to 10 right down to 5 or 6, I think it was, as he testified God had touched him. And we prayed for people. But listen, we can't, we can't save a bean, we can't heal a bean, but when we're co-workers with Jesus, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. We're co-workers with him. And you think, oh, I can't do this stuff. Listen, partner with the one who can, and you'll look amazing. No, <laughs> it's not about looking amazing, you know that. But listen, you know, we're commissioned by him, but we're not just sent off to do the stuff. We work with him. We're empowered by him. He comes on us and comes through us and people experience the love of God. There was a lady um, who works in our um, office block where the uh, church offices and um, a few weeks ago uh, was talking to her and she was saying that she had carpal tunnel syndrome, very painful wrists and a pain across the shoulder. And I thought, I want to pray for her. So I said, look, can I pray for you? She goes, well, what will you do? I said, well, I won't do anything weird. She, she laughed and we laughed. I said, look, you, you ain't get anything weird. But listen, I, she goes, well, yeah, do you want to do that now? I said, well, yeah, come on. So I said, can I just hold your hands? So I just sort of held my, you know, I just held her hands like this. I just went like this. I looked into her eyes and I told her of God's love. And then I rebu rebuked the condition. I rebuked the pain. I told it to go in the name of Jesus. And uh, she, at the end of the prayer, she was like, she gave me a massive hug. She goes, I felt something. So I said, well, look, let me know how it goes. A few days later, I was uh, running downstairs out of the office, running, it was at the end of the day. I wasn't running away from anything. I was just in a hurry. <laughs> so, and uh, she sort of, she calls out, her doors open. She calls out, she goes, it's gone. The pain's gone since you've, since you, I, I turn around and say, what's up? She goes, since you've prayed, she goes, I've worked all day this day and that day and Tuesday and da -da. the pain hasn't come back. And I thought, praise God, hallelujah. And uh, I saw her a couple of weeks ago, I said, how's it going? She goes, yep, great, absolutely fine. I'm like, what happened there? I was a co-worker with God. It was great fun. I was a co-worker with God. And I represented Christ in that moment. And I became a channel of his grace and mercy. 
Our mission is not boring, it's great fun. It's like nothing is more fulfilling than being a channel. We're working with God, that's our mission. What's our message? Secondly, the second main point, what is the message that Paul talks about? Well, the first thing in verse 19 is that God wants a relationship with people. God loves relationship. As we were praying for various people yesterday, in fact, there was one, um, one dear, dear woman came and she came over to our stall where we were ready to pray for people and she just said, I've been, I've been looking for you. I'm like, what? You know, she goes, I, I feel God's been drawing me. And then she went to a whole story which would break your heart if I told you about it, and I won't, because it's her story. And... Um, she was just saying, God's been calling me. I used to be so close to God. I used to be right there. I loved worshipping him, I, but I've wandered away. And there were several things that had happened in her life, heartbreaking things. She said, I want to come back. It was just such a privilege to be able to just sit and pray with her. And uh, she's sort of, I mean, I'm praying one day she'll come through the doors and she'll find a real welcome here. She'll find a home here. And uh, anyway... Um, God wants a relationship, that's the point. I just was so, I thought, well, if, if you've once had a relationship with God, God wants you back. If you feel you've gone cold on this stuff, God wants you back. He wants a relationship with you. Paul says it very clearly in verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself. He was, he was gathering them in his arms. He wanted relationship. It's the very point Jesus came was not to deal with the problem of sin. It was because the Father wanted the world back in relationship, so therefore had to deal with the problem of sin. And because of his great love, dealt with it wonderfully and beautifully. It wasn't a dutiful thing he did. It was a love thing he did. Reconciliation usually involves, or quite often involves, a third party if the problem is too big. And so the third party will come and try and reconcile the two. But in this case, it's God who's the offended party. We've pushed him out. We've been so insulting of the God who created us. Done life without him. We've pushed him out. Yet God is the one who initiates. Come on, let's be friends again. God initiates it to restore us, the offender, to himself. And God has done everything necessary to restore that relationship. All we need to do is receive it. So our message is God wants a relationship with you. Our message is Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I mean, it says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He was doing it through Jesus. And uh, I know it's not popular these days to say Jesus is the only way to God. It's much more popular to say don't all roads lead to God. But the Bible says that's not true. Paul teaches, look, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name given to men and women by which we must be saved. Jesus is unique. On Alpha, we look at the uniqueness of Jesus. He was a man like no other. He was just, he was amazing as a man. We're, and the things he taught and said in his life and everything about him, you just think, he was more than a man. He was perhaps God. And that's the discovery or part of the discovery on Alpha is like, Jesus isn't just any old prophet that you might sort of find that you want to follow. He's the son of God. It's a, he's the way. He's unique. He was sinless. So therefore, only he was fit to die for all. 
If I tried to die for you lot, I'd be dying for my own sin. And good luck to you. My death would not help you one little bit. Because Jesus was flawless. Because he was beautifully perfect. Because he reflected God's own holiness. He could die for me. He could die for the whole world. Now you point me to one other character in history who can do that. There's no one else. Jesus is flawless. He is the unique way to God. That's why the Bible says, it's not, the Bible's not trying to be up itself, going there's one little way to be saved. It's going, there's a bridge that God has made between God and man. His name's Jesus. Now get on that bridge. The message is God wants a relationship with you. The message is Jesus is the way. The message is God will forgive you. In verse 19, uh, Paul says, uh, the, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. What a deal that is. Not holding a grudge against you. Not holding sins to your account. He's removing the sins from your account. You're no longer in debt. The deal of the gospel, the message that we carry is God is willing to reconcile you to himself, not counting your sins against you. Never again will he mention it. As far as the, the east is from the west, that's how far he removes sin from our account. Never to find our account again. The good news is God is prepared to wipe the slate clean and forgive people. That's an amazing message. It's an incredible deal that Jesus takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. It's not that your sin gets away scot-free. No, your sin is punished justly in Christ. He paid the penalty for you. But it's no longer in your account. God's never going to hold it to your account because Jesus died for you. You get forgiveness. What a message this is. And Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God himself were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. What's the message that we bring? The message is, be reconciled to God. The message is, and I love the way, actually, that verse is just a little point there. It's where it says we're Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us, which I think is awesome in itself. Where it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. just want to say, actually, that word you is not there, actually, in the original language. Paul's just saying, we implore on Christ's behalf. Paul's not telling the, the Corinthian church, the Christians, to get right with God. He says, no, no, no. What's our message? You're Christ's ambassadors. You're representing him. You're carrying a message of grace. God is making his appeal through you. We implore, be reconciled to God. Get right with God. And note, the message isn't reconcile yourself to God. You know, fix it up yourself. Do your bit to get right with God. No, it's not by our own effort. The way we respond to, the way we receive, we need to receive and embrace what God has done for us. What Jesus has done is a done deal. Absolute done deal. We receive and embrace his offer. He's putting his hand out like a huge handshake and say, friends again? Now you can go, dah, and ignore his friendship. We can grasp his hands with both hands and say, you bet it. I really, I want to get right with you. He's putting a hand of friendship right towards you today. How do we respond to that hand of friendship which comes from heaven to us today? The Bible says we need to repent and believe. 
We need to turn from our sin and say thank you to Jesus and put our faith and trust in him. Don't put your confidence in your own goodness. No, no. We haven't got anything that really counts for anything. We put our confidence in what Jesus has done on the cross for us and by his resurrection. So our message is this. God wants a relationship with you. Jesus is the way God will forgive you. A wonderful message. What's our motivation? Paul, uh, this is our last main point. What's our motivation? In verse 14, uh, Paul talks about Christ's love. He says, Christ's love compels us. Compels us. That word is like, it's like a compulsion. It's like a driving force. It's like a control. It's like a motivation. It's like, you know, um, (laughs) when I was... um, I, don't, I can't remember whether I was dating Jax at the time or whether I was wanting to date Jax at the time. But I, I, worked in a, I worked in a town over here. I lived in a town here. Jackie worked in a town there. Kind of in a line from each other, opposite directions from where I lived. There was a time when Jackie worked for a time in the town that I lived. I knew the bus stop that she waited at to catch her bus home. I just couldn't help myself... Instead of driving home, I detoured around the high street and, oh, Jax was at the bus stop. And so I sort of stopped and I had to offer her a lift home. And I had to go 10Ks out of my way and then get back home. What was happening? The love of Jax compelled me. I was out of control. I just had to do it. Now, on a more serious note, Jesus, you know when he went to the cross and it says he, he was distressed and he struggled, it's the same word, he was compelled to go to the cross for us. Why? Because he loved us. He saw us in our predicament away from God and he loved us. He felt compelled, he felt he had no choice. It was like the struggle was, can this cup pass from me? Do I have to go to the cross? But he felt, I've got no choice. I've got to go out of my way to carry the sin so that these guys can be reconciled to God. Jesus was compelled to go to the cross for us. Love drove him. It was like in his heart, he had no choice but to do it. And Paul says, Christ's love compels us. You've known the love of Christ come chasing you. That's a motivator. It's a driving force in us. It's Christ's love that drives us. You see, when you know his love, when you know his forgiveness, it's like, oh, let there be an overflow. Let there be an overflow, because I want others to get hold of it. I want others to know about it. It's so frustrating when you, you know when you've got dear ones, loved ones, close in your family that aren't following Jesus. You know, you just think, ah, you know, what I've experienced of Christ's love, I want them to feel. I want them to know. The love of Christ compels us. We don't do it because we've got to do it. Now, Contagious Christian gives you practical tools, but it also stirs the motivation and helps you to have God's eyes and God's perspective So the love of Christ is the great motivator. A second motivator, very closely linked, is the grace of God. So Paul talks as God's co-workers, we urge you to receive, not to receive God's grace in vain. We receive grace 
You know, grace teaches us so many ways. It instructs us, it drives us, it motivates us. It teaches us, Paul teaches in one place, to say no to sin, uh, but also teaches who we are in Christ. It teaches us by grace that we're precious to him, that we're dearly loved children. It teaches us that we don't need to strive to get into the family of God, but that he welcomes us in. It teaches me that I'm a son. It teaches you that you're a son, you're a daughter. It te- this is what grace teaches you. Oh, it's nothing to do with me then. God loves me as a son. Oh, yes, he does. There's nothing I have to do. Grace. Now, grace isn't just sort of, you know, grace isn't just a sort of, oh, that's all right then. Grace doesn't drive you to laziness. Grace motivates you. It's because of my son, because of his love for me, because of his favour on me, it enables me to carry his presence and grace. That's what I've got. That's what I can carry because I know he loves me. I know his favour is on me. I know he's forgiven me. I've tasted of his goodness. I know what it is to be in his family. I carry that now. The grace of God motivates me. The grace of God drives me. You see, Paul says, I don't want you to receive grace in vain. I don't want to be a lazy Christian who just receives all the blessing and just sits in the blessing. That's, what's, that's what receiving grace in vain is. It's just sitting in the blessing. But actually, understanding sitting in the blessing is actually sitting in the channel of God's blessing. That's not receiving it in vain. That's what grace is meant to do. Blesses your socks off and flows through you that you become a blessing to others. The grace of God. Jesus says, uh, um, no, we'll go on, that, that's, that's the next point. It's, um, you know, grace enables us to carry his presence. But let's, that's the final point. It's something that Esther touched on earlier the third motivation so it's Christ's love the grace of God but then there is a sense of urgency uh, Paul says now is the time of God's favor now is the day of salvation you know because the serious side of the coin is one day it will be too late to receive God's favor the Bible's ever so clear about that so it's sort of on us in a not a heavy way but in a serious way that we carry we carry a message for our generation and we carry it, and it's like, if we miss an opportunity, yeah, maybe in God's grace, someone else will come in there, but listen, you know, now's the time. We owe it to our generation to tell them about Jesus. We owe it to our families. We owe it to our colleagues to tell them about Jesus. Jesus said this, open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. As I told you yesterday about that um, young lady who was you know, seeking to be reconciled to God. It was just, I was just amazing, really. You just think, wow. And I love the way Paul says here, you know, it's God makes his appeal through us. It's very much the heart of God that comes through us. Um, God's not got a plan B. We are plan A. He wants to use his people to make his appeal and show his love through us. That's why we actively look for opportunities to sow seed and to reap the harvest. Listen, the Bible says this, if we're faithful in sowing and watering the seed, there will be a harvest. And we're praying for breakthrough. We are praying for breakthrough. God's word promises breakthrough. So all we need to do is sit under the promise and remain faithful in the sowing 
and, and, the, and the watering, sowing and watering, ready to harvest, ready to harvest. Jesus said, look, the harvest is right there. It just struck me when we were down, uh, down at the market yesterday, I just thought, wow. I mean, it wasn't a crowded day. I think everyone had sort of thought the storm was still blowing, but it wasn't. It was lovely and sunny. It was beautiful. But um, the people who were there, you just thought, wow, my goodness. A number of people just thought, if you knew God's love for you, it was just such a privilege. We prayed for uh, eight people, I think we prayed for throughout the course of the morning. Many good conversations as well. It was just communicating the love of God, communicating the love of God. Listen, we need to look for those opportunities. So our motivation is Christ's love, the grace of God, and a sense of urgency. Just to summarise, really, just to say, listen, we've been reconciled to God. He's shown us great love and mercy but he's done that so that we become his representation. Uh, we, so we become reconcilers. Our mission is to be Christ's ambassadors, representing him, bringing his kingdom to earth. That's our job. The message we bring is be reconciled to God. Get right with God. The way is open. Jesus offers forgiveness. Our motivation is this. Now is the time of God's favour. Now is the time of God's favour. So it's urgency as well as God's grace. It's the whole thing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. Thank you for your amazing favour. We thank you, Jesus, that love moved you to do something about it. And we just ask you for your love to be poured out on our hearts, in our hearts and through us. Father, we want to be those that represent your love. Father, we want to be those that stand under the shower, the fountain of your love, the waterfall of your mercy. We want to enjoy all the blessing. But Father, we want to, through us, we want to see others be reconciled to God. We thank you for the honour and the privilege that you have given to us to represent you. We thank you for the honour of what it is to carry the message of reconciliation. What an honour, Father. And we want to be your people who run with this and who increasingly look like you and represent you well, Father. We're, we're so conscious of the way we don't. <laughs> and we ask for your mercy to cover that and to empower us to represent you more faithfully as sons and daughters bearing the likeness of the Father, communicating the gentleness, kindness and, and also firmness of Jesus. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.